everybody. When you hear that great music and it's been a while, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. This is Jamie Uretsky coming to you live from Land of Lakes, Wisconsin, <clears throat> looking out over the beautiful lake when I can see it through the uh, slew of mosquitoes. But uh, we have Craig Kashan, the voice of the Brewers and the Bucks, and ready, I know, to get his tonsils going with Major League Baseball. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Uh, Let's just say this. The golden pipes have been resting long enough. I'm ready for something to happen here. Yeah, I'm getting worn down, too. I mean, I've always taken that position that I don't want the baseball to go unless I'm there watching it. But, uh, you know, I think I'm uh, a minority of one. And uh, I I tell you what, I wish I was more optimistic, although I think money will win. What do you think? Well, it's been inter- it's been an interesting week, and and um, you know, hopefully by the time you know this airs and, and gets posted, this podcast um, they'll have an agreement in place. But uh, you know, as of this point, with the players at, at a big pushback right now on on not wanting to give in, you know, to any type of uh, revenue sharing and trying to do their best to stick to their March agreement. It, um, I mean, right now. It, it, I don't know if we're down to a, a 50-50 or less than a 50-50 or greater than a 50-50 chance of, of them coming, you know, to a conclusion here because it seems like they, they need to do it, you know, awfully quickly here to, to get something launched, to get a regular season going by the first week of July. So, well, you, you know, know I, I, they always come down to the last minute and uh, I could sing money, 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 but uh, I won't for our fans of this great podcast with that, but I think money will prevail and they'll come to some agreement, but can you understand the MLB proposal? Cause I, I can't. So if you can explain it, that'd be great. Well, I mean, I, you know, here's the bottom line to this is, you know, the, the $10 billion that they're, that they're used to making every year that they, the owner's side claims is at best right now down to three billion on this proposal that they have given and then how to split that up and try to salvage something. Um, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not a great mathematician and I'm not a lawyer like you are, but at some point, you know, is, is it just a loss now because you, you can't, you can't break even at this point. I mean, isn't that the old adage? If you don't want to lose anything at the very worst, you want to, you know, break even, are they beyond the break even point? And are they trying to pick a number and just make that break-even point? And then, then what is it? Because there's a lot of hostility going on right now. And, you know, I don't, I don't think it's great for the future of the game. But, um, you know, beyond, beyond that, you know, to me, it, it's pretty simple. Um, there's not going to be fans in the stands. There's not going to be any revenue from stadiums. And, and I'm, I'm not clear at this point if both sides, players and owners, made that perfectly clear to each other back in March because they're, they're both taking two different sides of the story here. So that's the confusing thing to me. No, I think that's great that they have all these high priced lawyers and they couldn't figure out how to be clear. That may have been, (laughs) that may have been MLB strategy or the union shortcoming because, uh, you know, it just seems to me that, that that was pretty basic. And it seems to me that the owners are now trying to, hit the the lower paid guys against the higher paid guys and and to me that's been pretty evident since last year's free agency 
not this year, but the year before when nobody was getting signed and Arenado and Scherzer and Verlander were popping off. Seems to me with this pro rata where the guys getting less money make all their salary and the guys making a lot of money don't get their whole salary. It just seems to me crazy, but they had to give them something so the union can come back and say, no, but we'll do this. And they want to keep the talks going, just like settling a lawsuit. And ultimately, with 40 million people unemployed, I think these guys will arrive at a, at a money position before they arrive at how do we do this from a health standpoint. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, they're going to, uh, you know, need to get to a point too where this, you know, publicly doesn't get any more ugly um, because there, there are some top level players talking, you know, through their social media right now about you know, how, how ridiculous this is, the proposal from the owners and, you know, we agreed to something and, you know, we want our money type thing. I, I think that is ultimately, you know, not what fans want to hear. And I think ultimately, um, they're going to have to come up with something too to almost make good on that. But I have no idea what that is because I, I think, you know, you bring up a good point, Jamie, if there's 40 million people unemployed right now, uh, when, when baseball in the, in any game does get to the point where they're going to get back to, um, attendance of games now, how many people are going to be able to afford to go to a game? Well, that's, um, that's you know, I, I can't tell you how many people, over the last 20 years at Miller Park or our Bucks games at, at Pfizer Forum are spending, instead of going on a, a vacation, they're taking their family to one single game. That, that's how much money it costs, you know, certain households to do this. But they want to be entertained. They want to be part of it. And there's going to be a lot of people that, are, that aren't going to be able to return. I mean, ultimately, I think attendance is going to be down when it's when when the gates finally do open but but maybe everybody knows that so and they're not as worried about it I, I don't know this is a it's a, a weird circle that they're they're drawing up here yeah I think so and I, I tell you what I would not want to be John Sherman and his group that just bought the Kansas City Royals and I would want to be a relative of the Glass family after they sold their team for a billion bucks about two months before baseball got canceled uh, shrewd maneuver on Glass's part big time blunder on, on Sherman. I, I think even if they, you know, a lot of teams, the average ticket price isn't quite what you would think it would be, but even if they give away tickets to the non idiots like me that buy season tickets, uh, you're still going to spend, uh, you know, 25 bucks conservatively per person if you get a hot dog and a beer. So oh, yeah, they depend on that. They depend on a lot of things, but I think the two driving the two things that are 100% clear is that baseball fans want to watch something on TV besides replays and Las Vegas wants something to be able to bring in that gambling money. And I, I just, I think like every other work stoppage, this will come down to the last minute. They all agree and they're going to, they're going to figure out a way to do it. <coughs> Players are going to figure out a way to play sort of safely. And, uh, uh, we'll get down the road. I think the hockey deal has got to be spooking Major League Baseball that the NHL agreed to. Uh, season's over. 24 teams are going to make playoffs. <coughs> We're going to do a round robin and let's go. And uh, it may be in two or three cities, but I think they're going to put a product out there. And I think 
the NBA might fall on the line. You got golf supposedly starting and, uh, you know, we're going to have that phenomenon without a vaccine of sporting events on TV in empty stadiums and like it or not, uh, that's, that's going to be the deal. And I think that, um, you know, that'll probably happen. Well, and you know, <clears throat> the other thing is, um, you know, the, the other sports, you know, you bring up a good point with the NHL um, kind of being the first here to have uh, what looks to be uh, an agreement and a format in place. Whoever thought that was going to happen first? I mean, out of the four major sports, that's, that's the one that flies number four, you know, among the other three. And here they are saying, you know what, all the stuff that everyone else is proposing, you know, we're going to go ahead and do it. Um, and the NBA appears to be getting you know, closer and closer. Their, their talks have been, you know, pretty positive by the day. And, and I think that they're being creative with their, their playoff format possibility. Um, and, and obviously they've, they've got the site in Orlando that they've come to pretty close to an agreement of, of taking all the teams down there. So, I mean, wouldn't it be something if suddenly the NHL and the NBA were, were in agreements and had dates set to go and had guys practicing and ready to go before baseball even comes to an agreement on what they're doing and, and how they're going to go about spring training 2.0. So go, go back to the original question. What's the deadline? That's, that's my thing here too, is what is the deadline date? We, we almost need a deadline date at this point to, to have that further hope that baseball is going to going to come back and do this. Now that's an excellent point because like, you know, the, the, Normally, the season has a schedule. The schedule comes out in October, and so you know when your spring training opens, you know when pitchers and catchers are required to report, and you know when opening day is going to be. So those deadlines are, are etched in stone. Here, it's kind of been murky and sort of wandering along, and I think that um, you know at some point they're going to wake up. It'll probably be later than sooner, and they're going to say to the players, you know, you got two weeks before the season starts. And uh, that's, I don't know. It seems to me they've left an awful lot for uh, a short period of time. And there doesn't seem to be a sense of urgency. There's no round-the-clock negotiations. Uh, it just seems like they're all kind of yawning, going, well, you know, here's what we got, and take it or leave it. And the players are going, you know, right now it doesn't look so good. So, I don't know. It's hard to uh, it's hard to tell. Guy, we've been talking about this for you know seven or eight weeks. You'd think that they would have an agreement by now, wouldn't you? Well, yeah. I mean that that's that's the thing. We're you Put know us in a charge. lot of uh, exactly, and and a lot of our discussion, quite frankly, hasn't hasn't changed over the last two months. I mean, mm. we we knew all this going in, and you know this this proposal that was supposed to be in place two weeks ago literally was was just a couple of days ago as it turned out it was it was well over a week past what we all thought was the proposal that they sent over but again it all comes down to the money portion of it and the players don't want to do it I I think one thing that I also find interesting um you know that Max Scherzer and a couple other the the big name uh players have have put out there is you know we're we're going with our late March money agreement and we want to get paid what we agreed to back in March. And, and secondly, they want to have a longer season now, which, which to me is like, how do you get that done? How do you add 20 to 30 more games to 
the 82 games that are proposed to start around July 4th. Well, not only that, but you're bringing the opening day of 2021 that much closer mm-hmm. and the offseason that much shorter. Right. And, um, you know, the, the problem is every, every, every time they do a negotiation, <clears throat> the owners try to claim, you know, we're not getting what we need to be getting to pay these salaries. But again, nobody, nobody uh, had a gun to their head when, when they let these salaries escalate. And the salaries have clearly gone crazy, $4 million average. But, and usually I'm with the owners on a lot of these issues, but not now. It, it looks to me like they agreed on a pro rata deal. And, oh, gosh, we did that with uh, because we thought the fans were going to be there. Well, come on. And when they said that uh, they were hurrying to the table, they did that lickety split. And I think I think it caught you and me and everybody else by surprise. That they, uh, what do you, they come up with an agreement. We didn't even know they were really talking about anything. And now what they agreed to, they don't like. I mean, it's just kind of bozo, kind of. But this, it's nothing new. That, you know, they're, no. not, they're they're not going to uh, lose the season, and uh, you know, soon they're running out of time. So they have spring training in June. They start. They've made a big deal about around the Fourth of July getting this thing cranked up, and I think everybody expects that to happen, regardless of what they're doing now with uh, the union. So I think we'll have baseball to talk about, and I'd be shocked if they don't figure out how to get that two billion or whatever it is that Fox is sitting there with and uh, pray that nobody gets sick because then what do you do and oh god there's so many the no spit the funniest thing is we aren't going to let you guys spit I mean <laughs> so that means no chewing tobacco because how do you chew tobacco and not spit yeah the last time I checked there was no spitless tobacco no, well, you know, <laughs> there, what what we should have done, or we could probably do too, is is have some fun here talking about the the rule proposals that have been put out. I mean, please, we need fun in the last side of baseball. Seriously, sixty eight page proposal of of what you can and can't do anymore. Do we need sixty eight pages for that? That that's mind boggling to me. And and I'd also love to know what the players think is ridiculous in that proposal and what they're actually going to send back or if they're just saying you know what we'll do all this but we're still going to stick to our uh, uh march agreement with you and just just pay me the money right. and i'll show right. up but uh, yeah right. the, i mean it's it's crazy it's crazy to think because the the more that has gone along now you know i cover the brewers and you know we found out the other day that uh you know, Craig Council was joking around, but he was he was also serious. He said there's going to be designated spaces uh, in the dugout during the game for for him and his coaches and and medical staff and and the players have to be you know six feet apart, and that'll end up you know winding up some guys in the in the actual stands adjacent to the dugout. I mean, right. this is going to be this is going to be very interesting to see, almost somewhat. Um, bizarre and mysterious for sure well in the uh, dress at home and come to the ballpark in your clothes it's the uh ben zobrist approach to baseball when, <laughs> uh, he was riding his bike with his uniform to the ballpark but you know that's that crazy the, no spitting's crazy the you know they're gonna uh maybe play seven inning games it's uh you know it, the asterisk will be so big in the record book it won't be funny but again people are desperate to watch 
you know, if they're desperate to watch Peyton Manning play golf with Tiger, then they're desperate to see Mike Trout, you know, strap it on and get going. So, yeah, uh, face mask uh, and all. Yeah, I guess so. The umpires, you know, I don't know how you, uh, I guess you can take a bigger lead, you know, because uh, the first baseman can't be within six to 10 feet of you. And, uh, you know, hey, wait, you can't pick me off. That would be a violation of uh, page 32, paragraph six, <laughs> small a. And uh, that doesn't, that's not good. So it'll be, uh, it'll be some kind of uh, interesting. Maybe they'll adopt the, that, um, that one league that's an independent league where you can steal first base. I love that rule. That, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's good. You can run to first. That's great. I think hey, you know what? If you think about it, if you think about it, when they, when they return <clears throat> and if they're making all these, you know, proposals for the health standpoint, why not extend it out and, and do a couple of those things that, that you just mentioned and say, you know what, it's going to be a different game. I mean, it's going to be a different game emotionally and, you know, psychologically for these guys um, and, and physically now. So why not implement something like that and just say, you know, this season is going to be an asterisk no matter what. It's never going to be normal. They're going to look at the year. Everybody knows what, what, what happened in 2020. I think that would be actually kind of fun, to be honest with you. And, and it might entice even more people to watch and get over the fact that they can't go to the ballpark right. and be a part of it. So Because they're already talking about, you know, players knowing that the only stage that they have right now through fan to fans is through television there there's not going to be any of the in, there's a lot of in-person stuff that when you attend a game as you know uh that happens that tv doesn't always capture between players and fans and and that's that's really going to be out there now what players are getting creative from you know if they have a little downtime or they're not in the game yet or they've already played in the game and now they're done for the rest right. of the way that type of stuff well, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a different product, that's for sure. And you know, the Korean baseball man, it's just tough to watch. I don't care who you are and how much you like Eduardo Perez, the uh, watching that's watching that's difficult. But um, you know, it is what it is. I've been it, it's it's funny. I keep trying to get uh, your third base coach, who I represented, God only knows how many years ago, Eddie Cedar, to. Uh, I said, man, come on, we'll just come on the show. Well, you know, I'd have to clear it with a lot of people and they don't want me doing interviews. I go, dude, I'm not, you know, <laughs> this isn't Stephen A. Smith. And I won't ask you anything about anything more than uh, Dave Nelson and when we represented you. So what, what Eddie did, and I love Eddie, he's just a good guy. And, and I think he's probably figuring, I don't want to say anything controversial and I really don't want to be on your program. But he did. I said, well, what about a couple of these guys that, that uh, Dave and I used to represent? And uh, uh, he went and, and found them for me. So I had a reunion on the phone with a guy named Mike Soper. Soaps was the last guy cut by the, the White Sox traded in the Yankees. He's the last guy cut as a result of the 1994 labor problems or before where the roster went from 25 to 24 and he was the odd man out goes to AAA, gets hurt. I finally caught up with Soaps, and I'm going to have him on the show in a couple of weeks after the draft. He's been a scout for 25 years, Craig. 25 years. Started with the Moneyball Oakland A's, and he's now with the Miami, whatever the Marlins are called, Florida Marlins, Miami Marlins. And uh, 
<clears throat> you know, he scouted and, dis and not discovered, but he's, but he's with the Indians and his guy was uh, uh, Lindor. Right? So, you know, then the contrast finding a Lindor with Mike Trout going to the 25th pick. Anyway, talked to him and then a guy named Rolando Pino. Pino's the international co-scouting director for the uh, Boston Red Sox. And uh, these guys who never made it to the major leagues, it's, it's, it's a fascinating story for all those guys. And I played golf with John Wathan, and I told you before, his two kids uh, probably played 25 years in the minor leagues, and one of them had two weeks of uh, coffee in the major leagues before they became, you know, a third-base coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. So those guys that, that love it, you know, like you and me, We'd give anything for an at-bat in the major leagues, huh? Oh, God. How about that? You ain't kidding, boy. You Speaking ain't kidding. Of that, did I bring up last time that because of the COVID virus, I was denied my batting practice experience <laughs> at Wrigley? It, it, it actually, uh, your last comment just made me think about that. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. That's going to that's gonna be a, a pipe dream from now on, man. It, it won't even be on the bucket list because it won't be allowed. You won't be allowed on the field anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you know, as soon as that, I, I'm, I, I know a vaccine's around the corner, and and uh, I'm going to grab that vaccine and be ready. The Royals sent out a deal. You know, <laughs> these guys, the Cubs especially, but now the Royals are into it too. They send a survey to their season ticket holders, and uh, generally the Cubs survey is designed to see if I can give up what scalper I'm selling tickets to. I mean, it's nice. They'll, they'll start out, Craig, and they'll go like, well, how many games a year do you go to? And when you go, do you, uh, you know, buy concessions? And if so, what are your favorite? And then it's like, what do you do with your tickets? Do you partner? Who do you sell them to? How many do you sell? And it's like, you know, Rick, it's just dying to figure out if you're not using StubHub, which is, I think, owned by the major leagues. Well, the Royals now sent me a deal, uh, and they asked about, it, it, finally, it was so annoying, I deleted it. But they start out asking stuff that you can answer. And then they go to uh, COVID questions like, well, um, if the row in front of you and behind you was empty, would you go to the game? And uh, yeah, how far would you want to be away from the nearest fan? Well, this is like, why are they asking? That's not going to happen, is it? You, I mean, they're not even going to let you in the ballpark. No, I mean, there, I mean, at first it's going to be, it's going to be really minimal. In fact, uh, you know, as far as I know, you know, once they start playing games again with no fans, it's going to be like that the stadium is going to be incredibly empty. I mean, we, we were kind of half joking the other day uh, uh, when uh, Euchre was uh, had done an article about kind of catching up with him and how, you know, Bob Euchre and how he's doing and stuff. And, you know, he said, um, it, at the time, even a couple of weeks ago, it, 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 they weren't sure if games were going to be on the radio or just on television. That's how much they wanted to limit how many people were in the in the ballpark. And it sounds like, as far as I know right now, our shows, our pre- and post-game coverage, which we're always in the ballparks and the stadiums, are going to be moved to a studio. So, yeah, it's going to be really, really minimal at this point. And, you know, they're going to limit – the amount of staff that that um, is actually going to be allowed in clubhouses and in dugouts and stuff too. So they're you know the the number of players on the rosters are going to increase, but you know everything else is going to be really dialed up big. It, it's going to be an undertaking for sure. And 
And I go back to, you know, we, we joke that you and I have been talking about this for what, seven or eight weeks now. I go back to an earlier conversation we had about the fact that I brought up the emotional side of this and, and how certain players are going to be able to, to cope with this, this new, you know, cause it's right. going to be, you know, the human factor has been taken out of, you know, out of all of our lives right now. So, and it's a slow comeback for these guys. They're, they're being asked to do things that you and I are not being asked to do. So, you know, you and I could go back to work and I, and I don't think we're going to be subject to the same, um, rules and criteria set in place that these guys are now. I mean, it's that they play an emotion and their emotion is going to be tested. Now, if you were to pay me $4 million, I'd really wash my hands a lot. I'd make sure that I wore a mask to the home plate and I'd be happy to bat up there. But yeah, I know what you mean. And it, it's going to be a little bit weird. I, I actually went to a golf course in Wisconsin and I'm with some buddies and uh, we go, close to there and they go you know you can't go in there without a mask it's a state law and i go well i just want to you know pay and they go well you can't pay until they take your temperature so here's a little golf course tied to a casino and it was the first time i'd ever had my temperature taken with one of those little gizmos and i i don't know if they're accurate or not and i put on a mask and i went in and i paid my money to go play golf and dodge mosquitoes and try to find my golf balls that I socially distance way into the forest. But, uh, it's a different world. It's just going to be different. Will um, will Euchre get to be in the stadium? I mean, come on, you got to have a Euchre exception. Well, it's, it seems like a no brainer, but the, the owner, Mark Atanasio is just, uh, saying the other day that, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna have to do, you know, his best to make sure Uke's there. Uke's 86 years old. And I think Boy, the thing true. about it is, yeah, you know, I think they're more concerned, even though it's an empty stadium, of, of just making sure that, you know, he's going to be out in, in public to some extent. He's going to be exposed to some people to some extent. So um, I'd be shocked if he, you know, if he doesn't make it to the ballpark and do these, do these games in the stadium. But uh, imagine, imagine a guy like that who is in his 50th year calling games for the Brewers and has been uh, part of baseball in Milwaukee for his entire life. I mean, he snuck into the, to the minor league Brewer games, you know, when he was a kid in Milwaukee and, and ends up, you know, playing for the Milwaukee Braves to start out his, his pro baseball career, played in the state of Wisconsin in the minor leagues, and, and now at 86 years old, still healthy enough to call games, faces this. this that, that'd be yeah. a terrible way to go out to, to say, I can't get to the ballpark because of this. Crazy. Yeah, and his voice sounds like he's 30 years old. I mean, he's got a, I know he's just got yeah. the same great voice that ever. But um, will the younger play-by-play guys forget an age, like the, the Brian Andersons of the world, are they going to have to broadcast from the studio, or what are they going to do? There, uh, as far as I know, the home announcers, if you're playing a home game, the home announcers should be in the ballpark. Uh, but it did, does not seem right now that the, the criteria that they have would be for 
when the when the Brewers go on the road, our our broadcast team would not be on the road with them. They would be either placed back at the ballpark to call the game, you know, off some monitors or in a studio doing that that same thing, but not traveling. Yeah, I just think it's gonna. You know, again, I hate to be my negative self, but it's going to lay an egg. I mean, opening day is not going with no fans to me. Now, I may be different than everybody else, but yeah, it gives you something to watch. But still, you don't want to see anybody, you know, getting hurt. Getting, I don't know. It's 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 weird without without the noise of fans, without seeing fans, without being able to buy peanuts and beer and and sit there and watch a game it's like what are we doing this for other than you know the psychological benefit of the nation because we miss sports i don't get it if i were, well you know I there's would, a lot of people that are that are feeling the same thing as you i mean i think the you know you and i have, have laughed about this and i've called you you know all the all the names in the book for for you know being who you are because i love you buddy but uh <laughs> there there are a lot of people who are who are feeling the same as you it's like we've gone this long without sports and i'm not watching it unless there's fans in the stands and things aren't normal i mean that that goes back to the whole psyche thing of whether you're a player or a fan it's it is you know it it it's an interesting uh you know take and it and it's true because i don't have that view i'm just like let's let's get back to sports let's get back to something live because it's going to be a first major step to you know, normalcy of some kind. Somebody's got to take that first leap. And I, I don't see it with I me. Mean, NASCAR's had an event already. Golf's had a couple of events already. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, the, the fans for baseball, the fans for football, the fans for hockey and basketball definitely got to be there and will be missed at first for sure. Yeah, the guys I feel bad for, I sort of bad for. Uh, hopefully, they had good agents and good good accountants. Are oh, the Alex Gordons who you know signed a one year contract at the end of their career, or the Homer Bailey's of the world. These guys that, and I'm sure you could name off three or four of the Brewers that are you know battling for a spot on the soon to be 45 or 50 man roster, <laughs> and uh, 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 you know they're going to get robbed of their final curtain call. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure. If, yeah. Even, even if it's at an empty stadium. Um, and then you get to the, what I'm trying to imagine is the playoffs. And so you go from empty stadium, 80 game schedule, and then you get to the playoffs starting in late October, November. And again, I think I feel a lot of this because I have season tickets and I, you know, I want to, uh, sit in my seat and and pay the extra money to go see playoff games and uh you know hopefully it'll be better than the korean baseball because that's just really i have you watched any of that i've watched a little bit of it and it's uh i mean you know first of all they're they're not our guys they're they're you know how how can you relate to that over here i mean I, i get why they're putting it on but um you know, it, our product's going to be better than that because the players are better to start with. You and I know that. Well, yeah, um, but, you know, I, I do like the, you know, the name of the product that owns the team being the name of the team. I mean, could you imagine the Samsung Brewers <laughs> take the field at American Family Stadium and this is, we're playing the uh, Ford Motor White Sox. It's like, <laughs> no, I, 
the only thing that I think is great is you get to see Matt Williams sitting in the dugout having no clue what 95% of his team saying about him on the, you know, wherever they're sitting. It's um, exactly it's maybe oh, double, maybe double a baseball. And then, God, I've seen if I mean, it's a whole different culture. What interestingly about uh, pitch count, that's the one thing I, and I've only watched a few games, but there was a guy that goes in in the third inning or fourth inning with a one run trailing by a run. And, this guy got his brains beat out. I mean, they sent him out there in the eighth inning. The guy had thrown about 150 pitches, of which most of them were getting hit out of the ballpark. And uh, I'm going, what's the deal? They just don't seem to – I guess they don't throw that hard. So they aren't worried about the uh, injuries to their arms. But it's yeah. maybe double-A baseball. Throw, throw the splitter, right? Isn't that what, they, isn't that what all the pitchers do over in uh... – Japan and in Korea and <laughs> it always so. seems like those guys who wind up over here yeah learned how to throw the splitter pretty good so yeah and they, they all come pitch. here and the velocity changes a little bit yeah they all look like Jose Quintana warming up they take about six pumps and then they finally decide to bring it home <laughs> it's uh it's kind of funny but it's not that funny anyway what else is going on in your world uh that that's funny um, boy, that, that'd be, well, you know what, uh, I, you mentioned golf the other day. We, we actually did go out and golf, uh, down in New Glarus this past uh-huh. week. And my golf experience was way different than yours. Cause, um, there was, uh, I paid, you know, we pay online, you pay in advance and you basically show up at the clubhouse and show them your receipt and they give you a couple of keys to your, your cart. You drive your cart to the your car, load up your stuff. If you want to bring a cooler, who's to say you can't, right? Full of your favorite beverages. Wow. And, um, and then it's, you know, off you go and they just have somebody, you know, wave from the window, you know, your turn, your turn on the tee. And, um, and off we went and, you know, we, let's see, I think the biggest change on the course was the fact that the, the pins were secured in place. And so you putted, you putted with the pins in and outside of that, it was, it was golf, baby. There were no 15 minute, uh, in betweens. Everybody got jammed up with good golfers and bad golfers and foursomes and twosomes and onesomes. And, you know, it's like, what's going on out here? You know, golf courses just want to be open and people just want to golf, I guess. So we had a, a good. It was fun, and it was also a little bit frustrating at the same time. But, you know, that's what golf is, you know. Well, I, I, I know with your game, you're striping it right down the middle, so you don't have to go look for the ball. I was, I was just going to say, I didn't lose a ball until I actually hit one on the fairway, and I wasn't used to driving straight down the middle on that, on that, uh, on that 18th. So what, what do I know, right? Yeah. Hey, you got to watch hard when you hit it right down the middle because uh, with the – with the grass being as high as it is, sometimes you lose the ball. Now, I think for some reason, I mean, golf in Kansas City has just been booming. Our somebody said our course typically in an April gets two thousand plays, and this month, this year, it got four thousand plays. And uh, you know, it's like nobody had heard of the coronavirus in Kansas City. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's different for different part. You go to Chicago, and it's like a ghost town. I mean. You can go from downtown to the suburbs in 20 minutes, which usually takes an hour. And, uh, you know, I walked around and it was like a ghost town. So, yeah, uh, I think until 
vaccines come out in January or February, which I'm confident they'll do before the 2021 season, uh, you know, then we'll have we'll have baseball. But uh, I think all this is doing is telling me that the new collective bargaining agreement is going to be ugly uh, after next year. Yeah, and now you know, having having gone through you know periods of time and representing you know players and stuff, are, are you? Are you a little surprised that this is kind of ramped up now with with still another year yet to go? Because really since '94, you know, and the strike and everything, they baseball has done a really good job of working ahead in a positive way. And it seems like it seems like it's it's gone the other direction right now. Well, and when when you have regime changes you have a tendency for people to say, you're not going to push me around. So, you know, over the last 25 years, we've had Bud Selig against Fear and Gene Orza. And Manfred was in the background as, as the, one of the key attorneys. Now, Manfred's out there. The money has just grown exponentially. And then you got the new union guy. And then you got Boris sticking his head into every, nose into everything. And uh, the players are going, hey, you know, you're making all this money off of different things. We want that, too. And so phew, it's it's ugly. And I'll tell you what, you can, to me, I can boil it down to one thing, and that is the luxury tax threshold. Call it what you want. It's a salary cap without a basement. They're not forced you have such disparity, and this is my favorite subject to moan and groan about. There's so much. It's just unbelievable. If you Google Major League Baseball salaries 2019, you cannot, I don't think anybody could believe, how little the Baltimore Orioles, the Oakland A's, the Tampa Bay, whatever they are, Rays, the, how much they don't pay. And some of those teams do pretty good for their bang for their buck. But, I mean – Again, I go back to that luxury tax. Now, nobody wants to – you go over two years in a row and you're paying 25% penalties. And, you know, these guys are all getting a lot of money, but Arenado and the big boys say, hey, you're not paying our free agents because you're afraid of the salary, luxury tax slash salary cap. At the same time, to, <clears throat> to me, I'd be arguing if I was the union – we don't care about your luxury tax. What we care about is everybody ought to be within 10 or 20% of the average salary paid out by Major League Baseball, which the salary is about $120 million. So under my criteria, you'd be required to pay at a minimum right around the $95 million. And that would, that would make the union happy. But, oh, my God, the, the, the union just moans and groans about a salary cap, and they're cutting their nose off to spite their face. That's Juretsky on economics. Well, that no, but that's good stuff. I mean, that's 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 not you know the lane that I drive in. So that that's good that you explain that. And and you know, I I also find it interesting that that baseball is the only major sport that doesn't have revenue sharing. That you know, the NBA, NHL, and NFL have all agreed to it. Uh, and I'm not saying this is it's just as easy as saying, well, you know what, uh, it's. Um, it's about time and we're, we're, you know, in this next decade of the 2020s and, and uh, it's the right thing to do. I, I don't know what the right thing or wrong thing is to do when it comes to baseball 
on that subject either. And what would the benefits be for the owners and what would the benefits be for the players if they indeed did what everybody else does right now and find a way to get within that 49, 50 or 51 percentile of splitting the revenue. Yeah. I mean, there's a definite pattern. There are six teams like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cubs, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, and maybe, maybe the Giants who perennial have perennially have, you know, a payroll that approaches $200 million. Then you've got, the Brewers, Royals, Indians, White Sox, who will back off for five or six years and then actually make a good faith effort to put a winning team on the field. And then you've got teams that just aren't going to pay over $50, $60 million. And, and some of those teams get in, some of them don't. But again, to me, you've got local TV, you've got all these things, and it's just crazy. I mean, and frustration from a Royals standpoint, because, okay, they've gone to the World Series in 80, 85, 14, and 15. You know, that's that's awesome. But what do they do after that? They start trading pieces away and trying to live off of their prosperity, and they can do that. Now, and the Red Sox and, and the Yankees kind of come and go. The Dodgers, man, they're to me the the prime example of a of an organization that does well and tries to get better no matter what. And why is that? I don't. Do they have an unlimited amount of money? I don't know. They don't seem to go crazy with free agency. So you tell me. I don't. I don't know. And and the Arenados <coughs> and the Scherzers and the Verlanders of the world. Hey, you know, there's always going to be those elite pitchers because it's just uh, it's just the way. If you go back to Walter Johnson, whatever. As the, the game of baseball changes, you're going to have the really good guys, the okay guys, and the not-so-good guys that can make the team. And now the average salary is $4 million bucks. Where do you, I, I don't know. You're, they're heading for some kind of ugly, ugly, ugly problems, I think. Yeah, well, and, you know, they've got, they've got 30 teams and – you know, every year, every year, you know, I mean, this is, this is where they are in a lot of leagues right now. Um, you know, you, you have a minimum of 30 teams. Right. I might've lost you, buddy. Yeah. You, you, you go back to, um, you know, even the NBA during the, during that stretch where the, uh, you know, I covered the Milwaukee bucks and, and they had that, um, 18 game winning streak and right. and I'm looking at the teams that they that they beat during that stretch and how quickly they built their their record up which is which is the best in in the league in the NBA and and then how many teams are playoff qualifiers will they take you know eight teams in each conference so you got 16 of the 32 team of the 30 teams so you're going to have a little more than half already qualifying well out of the 30 teams if I counted this right, 17 of them have losing records right now. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, look, look at that scenario too. When, and, and they've got, they've got, you know, revenue sharing and, and salary caps and stuff. Why does that go on? Well, remember the old adage way back when was the NBA played the season to eliminate Cleveland way back when, <laughs> I mean, and everybody's in the playoffs. The, uh, <clears throat> it's gotten to where they don't care the, Excuse me, the TV money 
makes them all whole. And some owners have told me, and I won't say who they were, but <clears throat> when their payrolls go down, they still get the same amount of money from the from the <clears throat> from the big TV contracts. So they they actually do better uh, with a big payroll. And uh, I don't know. I, I think the other thing that that you said that raised my uh, memory is the thirty teams in the major leagues. They they're get kid, you know expand pick your two teams and get on down the road charge them a billion dollars a piece and spread that out and i'm sure the players are saying you know you guys are gonna add two teams you're gonna charge them a billion a piece that's two more billion you're gonna distribute to the other 30 teams and so uh you know you guys don't sing the oh boy are we hurting because you're the ones that agreed to the arbitration crap you're the ones that are paying these salaries and you're the ones that are making money and don't want to show us all your books so you know they all deserve each other but i think we deserve baseball and uh like i said we'll end the show with an upbeat that i predict we'll have baseball on the fourth of july i'm in it man and um you know as we've been saying now for how many podcasts in a row we're, we're here for the late breaking news flash so <laughs> We are. So we'll, we'll do this We're just next. waiting for the flash. <laughs> I'd say podcast next week, we'll have some news. Uh, I think one way or the other, uh, it's going to be encouraging. And uh, they're going to be closer to an agreement. And, you know, hocus pocus. Oh, my God, we're, we're ready to go. So there you go. Spring training. In, what do you call it now? Summer training? for the they're, they're, fall the, season. The new, the, new, the new title is Spring Training 2.0. I love so it. You'll need to you'll need to update that on, on your uh, Zoom app, just so you know. All right. Well, we'll get, again, <laughs> we'll get going again uh, next week. I look forward to it, Craig. You got for, it. For Craig Kashan and Jamie Reske, uh, we are signing off, and we are going to look forward to next week. And, the, and the, all the little babies, the big boys and the, the big babies have – hopefully come to an agreement that we'll be able to talk about the starting lineup for the Milwaukee Brewers. So for the lighter side of baseball on the uh, grumpy side of baseball, however you want to characterize it, Jamie Reske and Craig Kishan until next time. Thanks for listening.